Hi, my name is John Garfield. Uh, this week's blog is entitled, Even the Winds Obey Him. So I've had a, um, a kind of a strange emotion during this whole pandemic thing, which is going on. It's about to end, by the way, I believe. And that is when pandemics come along, every possible theory pops up. And I don't feel fearful. I, I, I mean, I feel a little bit... Uh, angry or not angry is not quite the right word aggressive or <laughs> responsible to uh, end this thing so uh, when something like this happens uh, every theory pops up it's a test it's god's judgment it's a sabbath rest it's the devil it's china so just like covid19 people have different theories about jesus and his disciples came to a gradual realization of who he was over time and it was in about three stages. So I want to summarize those for you. One, uh, Jesus is the Son of God. When Jesus calmed the storm, the disciples said, What kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? <laughs> that was in, uh, so then when Peter survived walking on water and uh, you know Jesus pulled him back up to the surface, the disciples said, Truly you are the Son of God. And when Peter asked, uh, when Jesus asked Peter, Who do you say that I am? Um, Peter answered, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Um, so there were too many miracles to include anything else. And I want to suggest that sons is, uh, sons or sons of God is a Jewish and a biblical terminology that carries the implication of ruling over nations or being responsible for this earth, being God's ambassadors. Uh, we cover that in seers and doers. So the second realization that they came to after they understood Jesus was the Son of God is that we are also sons of God. Uh, we are not gods, but we're members of his family, citizens of his kingdom, ambassadors of his message, and doers of his purposes. Um, so Jesus' followers gradually came to understand that he was the firstborn among many brethren, Romans 8, 29, and that Jesus was not ashamed to call them brothers, Hebrews 2, 11, Jesus told them directly that he would no longer call them servants, but friends, John 15, 15. So God's sons understood, um, understand his plans and purposes, and they have the power and authority to carry them out on earth. And that applies to me and you, not just the 12 disciples. <laughs> so in Luke 9, starting in verse 1, when Jesus called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And when they came back in Luke 10, 17, this is what it says. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Now that's a pretty bulletproof sounding <laughs> but thing that <clears throat> Jesus said to his disciples. So let's talk about calming the sea. Our favorite recipe for every national problem is repentance. And uh, we always quote, quote 2 Chronicles 714. And I want to suggest that our sin is not the cause of every dilemma and our personal repentance isn't always the cure. So this whole 2 Chronicles 7.14 thing is that uh, we're nationally sinners and we all need to repent. And the implication is, well, everybody else needs to repent and I'll repent along with them. But the real problem is everybody else. 
And I want to suggest that the real problem isn't everybody else. Uh, we all we all start with this foundation of repentance. Jesus is the only door into the kingdom and the cross is the only vehicle for our atonement. I'm not arguing with the foundation. Um, we all come through that door. Uh, I did. <clears throat> so, but with that foundation laid, it's time to build on it. And I want to suggest, uh, you know, when, when are we going to build? We're going to build sons. And I want to suggest this, uh, you know, something's broken with everybody else thing isn't the answer. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is here. Uh, so what's missing is sons who, sons who can speak to storms. Servants see the world through the lens of their sin. That's Romans 7. But sons see, see the world through the lens of their father's eyes in Romans 8. And I want to suggest you read those two chapters one more time uh, with that in mind. Uh, there's no condemnation, but sons have the responsibility to calm an occasional storm. <laughs> That's why we're here. So God is in the kingdom of heaven, but he gave the stewardship of earth uh, to men. Psalms 115.16 and Genesis 1.28. So all creation is waiting for sons to operate in their authority and their anointing. And the earth doesn't have a purpose until we give it one. Uh, so we see nations and businesses and people as additional parts of God's creation that are in chaos until they find their purpose and their creator, by the way. Uh, and that's our job, connecting nature and nations and businesses and people with their purpose and their creator. So we're setting captives free who are longing to live out their design and their DNA and, and the purpose that God wrote in their hearts. Um, the, and sons are uh, asking for their inheritance, nations. And the miracles of Jesus and sons heal everything from people to our land. And the, the wind and the flu has to obey <laughs> sons. <laughs> and so I want to suggest that this is a really exciting time. Listen to Romans 8, 19. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Not only people, but everything from nature to nations to businesses to education, every mountain, everything is waiting for sons. And for the creation was subject to frustration. If you look at that word frustration, it means it's um, a different word in the King James uh, futility. Uh, and it means uh, for the creation was subjective to, subjected to frustration or, or no purpose, uh, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from the bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God or the sons of God. So I want to suggest that uh, I don't, I'm not suggesting I understand every bit of this, but I do understand that uh, God has put us on this earth to make a difference in the earth and in nations and in people and in everything. Um, so that's the stature that you have in Psalms 2. These other verses start to make sense then. Psalms 2, 8 says, Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance. Why? Because the whole earth belongs to men. That's our job to be stewards of the earth. Uh, Matthew 28, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Why? That's our job. We're supposed to. <laughs> so speak to the storm. 
who is, this is Romans 8, 24, who hopes for what he already sees? I want to suggest that your seer gift is the key to faith. When you understand what the Father, you've seen in heaven, what the Father really is doing, what the, father, what the purpose of the Father is, it's no big deal to speak to a storm and command it to stop. It's no big deal to, to speak to the flu and command that to stop. We don't have to hope the flu season is over. We don't have to hope the economy doesn't end in a worldwide depression. Sons can see what their father is doing in heaven and bring it to earth and do it with them, just like Jesus did in John 5:19. He said, I only do what I see the father doing. So our father is all about bringing reformation to every nation and every corner of the earth and to every person. Uh, and this is the most exciting time in history to be alive. Great, great victories are in store for sons. Matthew 16, starting in verse 18, says, On this rock I will build my ecclesia, my sons, and the gates of hell will not overpower them. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven already, and whatever you loose on earth earth shall have been loosed in heaven. We're just seeing what's in heaven, seeing what the Father's purpose is, and then we're invoking that. We're causing the earth to conform uh, to his image, to his will, to his purpose. So in conclusion, you might be saying, are you kidding? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> you can connect with your heart. You can connect with the, what the Father wrote there. You can connect with your seer gift. And you can do something in the spirit of sonship that is amazing. And I want to suggest that uh, Intentional Reformation is our, is our latest book. It's going to be available on Amazon about April 8th, a couple more days. It's a great place to start. And I want to recommend that you uh, read that book. It will bless you. It will release uh, this thing of sonship in you. And it changes practical things like prayer. So we're, it's, it's different when you just ask for what you want for or what you think should happen or, you know, kind of take your Christmas list to God. But if you've been a son and who has seen what the Father is really doing, what the Father really wants, then praying becomes decreeing that with great authority and great results. And that's a shift that we're in right now. Reformation is going to require some sons to make it happen. It's not about everybody else. It's not really about repentance. It's about us accepting uh, the purpose of heaven and, and being the sons that all creation is waiting for. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just join with uh, your people, Father, other sons. We command this flu to cease and desist, and we just declare uh, a healthy economy and Father, we declare a reformation around the world. We're just blessing nations and people and, and causing your kingdom to manifest on earth. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Have a great week. God bless.